So, are we doing this or not? Welcome to Dragon Age Off the Record, Episode 5. I'm Elizabeth. Say your name. I'm Rode. And we are welcoming you to our Part 2 of the, what is it? Dragon Age Origins. Origins Stories. Origins Chronicles. No, because that's something else. Darkspawn Chronicles. Spoiler, Darkspawn Chronicles are going to have nothing to do with Dragon Age Inquisition, because if that were true, then there would be no Dragon Age Inquisition because the Blight would have wiped out the lands. Did you know it was the fifth Blight and there are only two Blights left? Oh, is it preordained that there will be seven Blights and then the world will end? Well, there were seven old gods. Um. I love smacking information your way. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Technically, there could be an eighth. Just putting that out there. Because Old God Baby. Well, what if the Old God Baby gets bitten by a Darkspawn and gets tainted? Huh? If you are correct. I'm totally correct. It could happen. Well, actually, Morgan's the mama, so probably not. Because she would bitch slap the hell out of them into, like, vapor. I messaged you last night that I got that FSB yes. instructor where I could get any of the lines from the games. And it's totally legal to do this because that's how people make mods. Just to myself, I was like, I gotta listen through these. So I found the Logain file and I was like, you know what? I've never really played his character and I need I need to rehear his Landsmeet speech for something that might be coming up in a few weeks. So I listened to that, but I also listened to a lot of Morgans. And towards the end, you get a lot of Morgan having Logan's baby talk. And it is the most, oh God. <laughs> It's just, ugh. I don't know if I can handle it. I mean, I, I had nightmares. I didn't sleep well last night. I had a little more nightmares, and I think that's why. So we were going to go over the elves and the dwarves quest this time. What are they called? I know elves are nature of the beast. What's the dwarf quest called? <laughs> oh, no. I don't like it. Uh, you all right? No. Need a moment? I just played that part of the game the other day, and it made me very sad. Well, why don't you tell us about it? Why don't you tell us about the dwarf quest? We will be traveling south through the hinterlands to the ruin of Ostagar, on the edges of the Korkari Wilds. So, going to Orzammar, when you get to the gates to go underground and into the city, you meet Loghain's men, who are demanding that they... And this is something I specifically remember. Loghain is calling himself a regent of his daughter, Queen Honora. I actually looked this up on the wiki. Merrick said that if something happened to him and Kaelin was too young to be king, Loghain was going to be his regent no matter what. So he was set up for that, really. So he made himself regent. His men that are there demanding the dwarves let him in, which the dwarves are not letting anyone in because King Endrin had recently died and there's a battle for who is going to be the new king of Orzammar. Thus, they're not letting outsiders in. Because their inner politics need to be settled before they start doing trade with the surface again. Now, his men referred to Loghain as King Loghain. Oh. I don't know if that was something that was missed during the creation of the game. Whether it's trying to represent that his men are genuinely stupid, which they are. Or if that was meant to have been expanded upon later on where he, I don't know, sticks it to his daughter or swords his daughter or however you want to say it. We're going down that train again. Yep. Lock them both in the tower. How can they pass the time? Ah! <laughs> uh, sorry, Bethany. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So when you walk up there, you go, I'm the warden. Here's my treaty that says you guys are required to offer me aid. And they go, okay, go on in. 
To which point, you can either scare off Logan's men or kill them. I went the diplomatic route this time around because I'm trying to make a good impression and be the good guy, as usual. So anyway, we make it into Orzammar, and the first thing you see when you actually enter the city is there's a battle between the two factions, brief though it may be, between Haramont and Balin. Now, as discussed in the origin story of the dwarf noble, Balin is the youngest of the three Idukan sons, who killed the oldest and set up the second in, in line for the murder of the oldest, thus becoming the only living son, whether or not it's actually according to the Shaperit, or whether it, he actually genuinely is the only living son, depending on which origin story you pick. The, what's going on here is you essentially have to help the two sides figure out who is going to be the actual king of Orzammar before Orzammar is in a position to offer the surface aid to fight the Blight. And there's a ton of different quests going on here, but as I have never, not once, ever helped Balin, let's go with the Haramont route. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Balin was scum. He lived a scum, he died a scum, and I never regretted killing his ass. So anyway... In order to actually gain the trust of Haramont, you have to speak to his first, which is, you know, the person who... Is number one. It is his number one. Make it so. You have to speak with him to show that you are trustworthy enough to actually meet with Haramont, because Balin has sent a number of assassins in different ways to try to kill Haramont, which, again, proves that he's a complete douche and deserved everything he got. In order to gain favor, what you need to do is go to the Proving, which is an arena held uh, in the honor of the death of King Endrin, to show that you are giving your support to Haramont, thus proving once and for all that you are a supporter of Haramont's because anyone that backs Haramont during approving would never be trusted by Balin. So, there you go. You go down there, you beat the crap out of everyone, Haramont's like, hell yeah, you're my champion, let's do business. You're given a series of quests to try to show that he is the better choice for the assembly to show that he should be king, and while you're out there doing your quests, Balin's demands that there be a vote, which... He forces a vote, which means within the next two days, they have to vote between Balin or Haramont and all of your accomplishments up to that point to show that Haramont should have been chosen were completely moot. So the only thing you're able to do now is to show that the ancestors favor Haramont, you have to find a paragon to sponsor Haramont. And paragons are usually ancient or old dwarves, but still. Well, paragons are living gods, according to... Oh, they're to, living. Okay. They're, they're, they're technically living gods, and once, of course, when they die, they become ascended gods, or however you want to speak about it. But paragons are specifically chosen by the ancients, quote-unquote, in a religious sense, but they're actually deemed paragons by the assembly. Now, as for the paragons, there's only presently one living paragon, which is Bronca, who is the wife of Ogren. Which, by the way, woman, whoop, 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 whoop. I would agree with you, but. That's a big but there. My anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hun. What Bronca did is sacrilegious in all aspects. So, you're sent to the deep roads to go find where Bronca disappeared two years ago. <laughs> no one knows where she is, but husband of Bronca has an idea. You're off to find Bronca, who went to Caradon's Taig, Caradon being a former ancient paragon who made the golems that you will encounter time and time again while cruising around through the deep roads. And if you have Shale at this point, which you should, I Shale, picked up Shale just for this. Absolutely have to have Shale for this for the best possible conversation. You need to have Shale. 
Because Shale's history is revealed through speaking to Keridan. Just skipping all the way through the Deep Roads, fighting all the Darkspawn, running into the Legion of the Dead, seeing, seeing the Archdemon and his hordes of Darkspawn that are going through the Deep Roads, marching to the surface. You eventually get to where Keridan is at. Keridan has been forged into a golem himself. It's, uh, well, I guess I did skip a couple of beats. Well, you know, there's Ruck and all that. Oh, and, and the dwarf chick that wants to be a mage. And I love her voice actress. My name is Dagna. I've never met an actual mage. Is it true you can manipulate nature's forces with your mind? Like you were born with lyrium in your veins? Oh, Dagna? Yes, which I always go and talk to the uh, mage circle and send her on. Yeah, I do too. Which then makes her without a cast because she went to the surface and left her family behind. Yeah, but she didn't care. No, she didn't. Not at all. Which, you know, good for her sucks for her family. Oh. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Now I feel bad for him. Yep. So you can't convince her to stay behind because it's, it's the best thing for her family. But yeah, I never do. Actually getting back on target because I did skip a very important beat. We get to see where Darkspawn kind of come from. And where's that? They corrupt the women they capture into broodmothers. And it is probably the most horrifying thing in the game. I remember this vividly because it freaked me out hearing, was it Bronca's girlfriend? Yes, it was Bronca's lesbian girlfriend, Hespeth, which is the reason why she left Ogren behind. Uh, and Hespeth is also suffering from the taint, and she's kind of crazy, and when you find her, she is chanting probably one of the creepiest things in the game. First day they come and catch everyone. Second day... They beat us and eat some from meat. Uh. Third day, the men are all gnawed on again. Fourth day, we wait uh. and fear for our fate. Fifth day, they return and it's another girl's turn. Sixth day, her screams we hear in our dreams. Seventh day, she grew as in her mouth they spew. Eighth day, we hate it as she is violated. Ninth day, she grins. And devours her kin. Now she does feast, as she's become the beast. I'm scared. <laughs> so anyway, when you first encounter Hespeth, she's chanting her little chant. And talks to you a bit about what's been going on. Um, she is suffering from the taint, which is obvious. And the way she stands up and kind of looks at you, oh. the movements they did were just horrifying. Like, that's the kind of stuff you expect to hit see in a triple-A horror film. And I don't mean Scream-style horror film. I'm talking, like, beyond the level of Exorcist. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Dragon Age 2 when you see your mother. Yes, when, uh, when yeah, we'll get to that in a future episode. But, oh, damn it, that scene. Oh, the feels from that part of the game. Oh. So bad. I've turned off my volume before, so I didn't have to hear it. That's yeah, how creepy I, it is. I don't blame you for that one. <laughs> Anyway, you end up killing the Broodmother, which uh, the first time through was probably one of the biggest pains in the ass fights in the game. Yes, it was. Thank you. It's not just me. No. Oh. And, and the worst part, too, is I went into that with my current playthrough, which I, you know, I've been live streaming. I did take the last two days off, but I've been doing a live stream of my Dragon Age Origins play. And when I was doing that fight, when I went into it, you know, there's a little cutscene that draws you into the fight and then it gates you off from being able to escape by tentacles. Because the Broodmother's a damn tentacle monster, as if that's what we need in life. <laughs> and the tentacles, I had my ranger wolf summon and my animated dead both standing outside that. So thanks for making those useless Bioware, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just standing out there going, yay. 
What do we do? Enchantment. Enchantment. You know, I, I genuinely feel bad every time I say enchantment like that, but it doesn't stop me from doing it. Enchantment. He's just like the happiest person in the world as he's covered in blood with hordes of dead darkspawn in front of him. Twice. Enchantment. Uh, he's going to be a final boss in Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm calling it right now. Oh, I don't know. No, he's going to be the one that comes down. He's actually the maker in disguise. He's Andraste's son. Uh... Oh. <laughs> I love him. Which would make the maker a dwarf, because apparently he's half dwarf. He's an ancestor. Anyway, you kill the brood mother, move on, continue going through the deep roads, eventually come to Keratin's hideaway, which is at the Anvil of the Void. The Anvil of the Void is the tool that Keratin made that made him a paragon. And what it does is it takes the souls of the dwarves that originally volunteered and puts them, uh, forges them into golems. And that's where we find the golems throughout. Those are all formerly dwarves, including Shale, who turns out to be a former female badass dwarf. Spoilers. Exactly. Oh my gosh, can you imagine my surprise when I was playing through that DLC and found out she was a chick? Yeah. Oh my god! And a dwarf? Yeah, because there's nothing dwarvish about her. I have thick ankles. Oh no, she's definitely got the attitude of a dwarf. Well, I mean, but the size. Or even the proportions. Well, I mean, that's the same for all the golems. You wouldn't suspect any of them from being former dwarves. They were going to make the golems and shale, therefore, the size that they should be, like, huge, but they couldn't fit them through the doors in the game, so that's why they made shale smaller. (laughs) I guess it makes sense. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, back on the target of shale, shale we encounter in the Stolen Throne. I don't remember if we've covered that before. But Shale is in the Stolen Throne. The wizard that used to serve the queen and the court mage, I guess is what he would have been called, uh-huh. whose name starts with a W and I've already forgot it because I think of Winhelm, because that's probably the scream he gave when Shale pounded him into a fine paste. <laughs> the golem you see in the book is actually Shale while she was still being controlled by the controlling rod, which, uh, yeah, that happened. I'm actually typing this in. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Wait, what's his name actually? Wilhelm? W-I-L-H-E-L-M. Wilhelm. So he really did have the Wilhelm scream when he died. Holy crap, that actually works. Okay, so back on target. Stay on target. So while the conversation goes with Keridan, Keridan asks you to destroy the anvil. Because he is a golem and therefore cannot touch the anvil. What, why can't they? Do you know why? I'm assuming because that's just how he had it designed. I, I don't genuinely remember if there was actually a reason given. This is where Bronca comes in. Who had you run through all the traps that she fed her house to. To try to get to the anvil of the void so that she could bring it back to Orzammar. And forge armies of golems. Even knowing what was sacrificed to make the golems so they could fight the darkspawn. Now, it's at this point you're given the choice. Do you side with Bronca and take the Anvil of the Void? Or do you side with Keridin, who is pleading with you to destroy the Anvil of the Void? Because it's an abomination and should not exist. Now, every single time, I have chosen to side with Keridin. Every time. Because the idea of enslaving these dwarves did not sit well with me. And that's actually why Keridin turned against the king during his era and why he was forged into a golem because the king started putting his political rivals criminals everyone he could he started turning them into golems that were controlled that's why he tried to take a stand against his king that's why he was you know disfavored even as a paragon and that's why inevitably he was made into a golem his 
his apprentices were forced into turning him into a golem. Well, also, if you have Wynne in your party, she's going to say that it's the equivalent of blood magic, what he did. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. There is an option, though, to support Bronca and then convince her to destroy the anvil. You've never done that? No. You can. Because then I would have to, even for half a second, side with Bronca, which, after feeding her entire house to the Darkspawn, to the traps, killing them all off. I didn't realize that she did that to her family. Yeah. To her family, to her house, to all of the people that served her, everyone. Well, except for her husband. Why didn't she take her husband? Because she didn't like her husband. So she let him live. Yeah, well, yeah. Left him behind so that he wouldn't get in the way of things. Which kind of didn't end up working out. Did it, Bronca? So anyway, I've sided with him every single time. Destroyed the anvil after kicking the unholy crap out of Bronca. (laughs) And uh, just to ensure that she did not somehow survive and make it into the next game, Liliana was nice enough to cut her head off for me. (laughs) See, she's not that bad. It was the middle of combat. And boom, she got executed. Definitely not going to be in the sequel. Once you side, you know, once you've killed off Bronca and sided with Keridan, Keridan, in order to give Paragon's favor to the king of your choice, forges a crown. And he wants nothing to do with the politics. He doesn't want to make any choices. He gives you the crown and says, it's your choice. I am far too old to be involved with modern day top politics. On the wiki, it says he commits suicide after he gives you the crown. He does. Oh, that's so sad. His purpose is fulfilled. He, had, he was able to ensure that the Anvil of the Void was never used again, that it was destroyed, and then after forging that helm for you and saying his goodbyes, he steps off the cliff's edge and lands in the lava and burns up. I don't think I've ever chosen that then. Yeah, it's it was really actually genuinely sad. But at the same time, you gotta think, he's ancient at that point. He's been alive for so long, trapped in the deep roads. He's just the only other person that probably could have got along with him, Flemeth. <laughs> Could be like, oh, you're that old too. Oh, well, that's interesting. So anyway, we go back to Orzammar. You've got your helm, and you're given the option to choose either of the two at this point, regardless of who you sided with. Even at this point, if you sided with Haramont all the way, you can be like, eh, you know what, Balin, here you go, have a helm. I think I've done that once. I wouldn't do that. I couldn't bring myself to do it. You can, but I didn't. I gave it to Haramont, and of course, Balin, being a little weaselly is, busts out weapons inside the assembly hall, a fight breaks out, and I spent that fight trying to heal all the Deshers, uh, the Assembly members, from being killed. Because they're all running around with staves, even though dwarves can't cast magic. They're all running around with staves. I don't understand that. Give them maces. Give them a, a, a I don't know, a stick. But a staff, really? I don't know. That's always annoyed me. And then Haramont, once you have killed off Balin and made him king, gives you his staff. Which is a magical staff. It is. It's not a good one, but it's a, it's a magical staff. Can I just say giggity? <laughs> yeah, he's an old dwarf. Yeah. And they need loving too. Well, he's got concubines, I'm sure, everywhere. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Yeah. Which is also part of dwarven culture to make sure the, the house continues. Because uh, as I found out while playing my origin for the uh, noble recently when I live streamed that, <laughs> there's actually a conversation you can have with some people outside the whole ceremony that's like, hey, I'll have your kid. And you can go, okay, meet me tonight. And that actually comes into play later in the game. What? That's actually a thing that comes up later in the game, I believe. You can meet your son. Which is weird, because that would have to mean that several years go by since the time that you got banished out into the deep roads. If that's the same story I'm thinking of. Oh, and then uh, you can actually help her get her and her child, who would be your child, adopted into either the noble house of Idukin or Haramont after that. To secure their status as nobles. Have you never done that? 
<laughs> just being me, I was a little more chess the first time I played the Dwarf Noble, so I never went... You know, it was always that kind of thing where I'm like, okay, so she's just trying to sleep with me because she's a gold digger. I didn't actually think about it at the time until my most recent playthrough that went, oh, that's actually a thing in Dwarven culture. Well, yeah, it is. Read your codex, folks. Read your codex. Exactly. That's That was part of the problem. I actually did kind of read into it, and I try to play both. When I do these kind of games, I try to roleplay both as what the character would genuinely do with a bit of my own morality back behind that. Mm -hmm. Which is also why all my characters are always good. Because I'm trying to live the fantasy of being a good person. The fantasy of living? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Anyway, that's confirmed. You can have an Iduken son. So, yeah, there's that. All right, so at that point, depending on which, you know, which paragon you supported in that decision, you can either get the dwarves to back you in the war, or you can actually get golems instead. I thought you'd get dwarves and golems. It, it could be dwarves and golems, but I always go with uh, just the, the dwarven response. But after you've, uh, if you, you know, had that delightful conversation with the leader of the Legion of the Dead while in the Deep Roads... Once you leave the assembly hall, boom, there he is standing out there congratulating you on your victory, and uh, you can actually convince him to go to the surface during uh, your fight against the Blight to help you fight the Darkspawn above ground. Hmm. To show how badass the Legion of the Dead are. Yeah, well, they, aren't they scared of the... Uh... Yes, they're all, all dwarves born below ground are terrified the moment they step outside that they're going to fall in the sky because there's no ceiling. Strange. <laughs> Strange is your wife turning out to prefer the ladies, not living in a world without a bleeding ceiling. That's just adorable. It's genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Kudos to whichever person with the Dragon Age team ever came up with that, because that is genius. It kind of makes sense, actually. So, I don't know. I, I guess that's cool. I wanted to touch on... I wanted to touch on Ogryn first. Tell me more. <laughs> That's uh, Stephen J. Bloom you're talking about. I know. Oh, yeah. He's not bad. He's got the sexiest voice in voice acting. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Totally does. Doesn't he have a girl after his wife is usually killed? I know in your case. <laughs> Felsey. Yeah, his girlfriend. Yep. Interestingly enough, you can actually play matchmaker and get him and Felsey back together. Isn't that cute? However, in Awakening, you re-encounter that story. <laughs> And we'll get to that when we talk about Awakening. Because it's hilarious. We're going to go with the elves, because elves exist. They're a thing. They definitely are. Even though uh, the Deventer and humans in general have tried for ages to make sure they're not a thing, they're still a thing. They're still there. Typically kept alienages, but hey, they could also be out in the forests, running around roaming like nomads with no real home. The Dalish. Or Dalish. Well, it depends. If you've got a British-speaking NPC, they're going to say Dalish. And if you ask the American-accented ones, they say Dalish. Which is why I said Dalish. I wanted to point out that they're not teaching their kids, you know, consistently here. <laughs> I blame your allegiance. You blame your allegiance? Just because. Okay, that's good. No reason. I like that. So anyway, you enter the Brazilian forest, and there you encounter some Dalish. Where they go, hey, get the hell out, this is our forest. Stop right there, outsider. The Dalish have camped in this spot. I suggest you go elsewhere, and quickly. Mithra. So yes, Mithra, where you have a short conversation, which basically comes up with, hey, let me in, I need to talk to your keeper, because I'm a warden. Okay, you should have said so. You might as well say that right up front, because yeah. other than that, you're just going to get hate spewed at you. <laughs> 
And the moment you say warden, she goes, oh, you're a warden. Why did you just say so? Come on, I'll show you the way. A horse of a different color. Come on in. It's like it's one of the few people in the game that goes, oh, wait, you're a warden. That's awesome. Let's hang out. Instead of being like, oh, you're a warden. Big damn deal. Oh, you're a warden. You think you can just walk in here because you're a warden. Oh, warden. Yeah. They won't say that in about two months when I've saved the freaking world. Then everyone's like, <laughs> warden, we love you. Yeah, screw those guys. Anyway, so the, the elves, they love us. Yeah. There you meet with Keeper Zathrian, who... <sighs> this guy. He seems like a genuinely nice guy at first. He really does, but he's not overly sweet, so you don't expect anything. Yeah, you, you expect him as being the person who's the, well, the keeper of the elves. He's looking out for his people, and a warden shows up, so of course, he's just kind of like, uh, what trouble are you bringing to my doorstep? That kind of thing. But you ask him to help. Indeed, you come to ask him for help, as is in your doctrine that says that they are to help you during the time of another blight. And he pretty much says, have you looked around? Everyone's bleeding everywhere. All of my hunters are really screwed up. We don't have the forces to help you. To which you again have to solve someone else's problems. Uh, again, and react with, oh, guess you want me to do something now, right? Yeah. <laughs> which I never go that route, but uh, sometimes I've done that just... before like once. I have to try all of them. That's that's what the wonderful thing about the PC is, is that you've got that F9 hotkey for the quick reload. <laughs> or you just hit escape. Sometimes you can't hit escape. And so during those dialogue choices, if you don't want to have to remember what you did before, yeah, F9. Yeah, exactly. So basically what's going on, long and short, is werewolves are plaguing the Dalish. Werewolf. Werewolf? Yeah. What? Werewolf. Yeah. Castle. Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. Suit yourself. I'm easy. And they're slowly turning everyone else into Dalish, infecting them with their... Er, into... not Dalish, into werewolves, damn it. This is not normal. He explains that lycanthropy is spreading like a disease, <laughs> but it started from this beast called Witherfang, okay? And... He's like, okay, I can cure this, but you have to bring me Witherfang's heart. Which just first off is like, wow, so I need to rip the heart out of the creature that's changing everything else into werewolves. And do you still want a beating when I get it? I mean, uh, not exactly asking anything small or anything. You never know what his spells Well, I mean, you don't really get a genuine idea of what this Witherfang is. For all you know, it's a giant werewolf. Yeah, well, that's what you're led to believe. And if you ask more about it, you get the vaguest answers. You get enough to sate your appetite. Anyway, he says, oh, the forests are that way. And by the way, those aren't the only dangers. But, uh, hey, yeah, there's more than just werewolves out there. Mostly lions and tigers and bears. Lions? And tigers? And bears. Turns out that is definitely the case, as I have experienced. He also sends you to the clan storyteller, who, if you're a human or a dwarf, proceeds to tell you that you suck. Over and over and over again. It is kind of a thing that you should eventually be given the option to be like, you do realize I could just kill you right here, right? <laughs> there could be that option later on in some of the things, but I always feel sorry. I think I did one again where I was like, you know what? Shut up. And he gets really mad at you. The storyteller gets pissed. Ah, screw that guy. So anyway, we've got a lot of little problems around the camp too, such as playing matchmaker for uh, a, a couple of teens. Oh, that's my now, at this point, you can let the guy cheat, or you can just go play a genuine matchmaker and be like, do you really just 
because he can't hunt, you're going to tell him that you don't love him, even though you clearly do love this guy, and he clearly loves you. You're not just going to let love find a way. <laughs> There's a lyric to a song right there. Yeah, I know, right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I always go with the option of using the persuade checks, because yeah. why wouldn't you use the persuade checks? It's just clear and, and simple. I mean, you put points into it, you might as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's not the only matchmaking thing you play in that camp, though. And I'm not talking about the woman with the holla, okay? Actually, no. No, actually, that is actually a thing. That is actually how that works out. What? So there's the keeper of the holla, who uh, the holla and the elves work in a synergistic sense. They're, you know, they're very much kindred spirits. And apparently she can actually talk to the holla, so kudos to her. But the holla, the holla that she's trying to talk to, she thinks is injured and or could be dying from the werewolf taint. Uh, there's that word for you again. You have to find a way to calm down the beast. Now, by doing so, you actually have to have the survival thing. Yeah, I learned that again this time. I didn't have any points in it. I actually did put points into it this time around. So I was able to make the check and calm down the beast. And what it turns out is actually going on is that it's the Hala's mate, not the Hala itself that got injured. And then everyone lives happily ever after because you, again, fixed on their love story. But that's another one I was getting to. The other one is there's a hunter in the village that wants to go into the woods with you, but Zathrian has forbidden him specifically from going into the woods. Because his mate, his wife, is out in the woods somewhere. No one's seen her. They assume that she's probably transformed into a... Uh, werewolf. A werewolf and... You know, he doesn't want, the Zathrian doesn't want his hunter to go out there and get killed. And Zathrian has said she's dead. Well, and I mean, transform, there's no way to transform back. I guess that's a way of saying that she's dead. If you think about it. Which I, I kind of, I understand at this point of the game where Zathrian's coming from. Now, this is something I wanted to point out specifically for our listeners that don't know this next part. If you encounter the wife out there after receiving this quest, she begs you to kill her. And if you refuse to kill her, she will attack you, so you have to kill her. I bring this part up because you can still save her. What? Yes. What? There's actually a way to save her and reunite them. How do you do it? Here's how you do it. You don't talk to her. You never, ever talk to her. Oh my god, that makes sense! <laughs> you don't talk to her. You can avoid her in the forest if you take an alternate path. If you just don't walk up to her and engage in conversation, she will not attack you. You don't have to kill her. You don't have to put her down. After you cure everything and finish off this part of the story, you go and talk to the hunter again, say you couldn't find her, and he will go look for her himself, find her, and they will be reunited after she's been cured. That's how you save her, and thus play matchmaker again. Oh, that's so sweet! And after I found that out, because I had to kill her the first couple of times, because I didn't know about that. And of course, you know, I'm a gamer. I see a quest, I need to complete the quest. Yeah, yeah. If you do, if you uh, talk to him and say that you never found her, and he goes off and finds her himself, that completes the quest, and you receive no reward. To me, the reward is actually the story. The fact that he is reunited with his wife. Now, can you go back and make sure they're okay? Actually, I think he will eventually reappear in the camp, and you can talk to him, and he will tell you that he found her and that they're living happily together again. Yeah, but you have to go back to the camp, and you can't choose the werewolves over the elves. Correct. Otherwise, the werewolves go out and murder everyone, so there won't yeah. be a husband there to yeah. go and, yeah, that's just 
it's a thing. But anyway, let's let's actually get into uh, the Brazilian Forest a little bit more. Now, there are a couple of really fun quests here, such as the Great Oak. God, I love the Great Oak. The Elder Tree, whatever you want to call him. He speaks in rhymes the entire time. And they're time. bad rhymes. They're terrible oh, rhymes. Oh, but they're so good, though. Oh, I, they are good. They're, they're so storytellerish, you know, like, like a child's storybook. He's Dr. Seuss. He totally is. <laughs> it's a poet tree. A poetry. <laughs> Don't you get it? <laughs> that part of the game just made me so happy. It was just fun. It's cute. It it really did. It was, and I, even during the live stream, uh, when I was doing this part the other day, I just, as soon as that whole thing started, I genuinely just sat back in my chair and just, it was like having a storybook read to me all over again. That's one of those slow-speaking characters that I actually listen to. Now, I'll tell you what, about that lady that was turned into a werewolf, I've never really listened to the thing the whole way through. That actress was so good. You could almost feel it in your heart. Oh, it did. It tugged at the heartstrings, which every time I was just like, you know, after the, my first choice was, I'm not going to kill you. I don't want to kill you. Right. So I went that direction, and of course she attacks you, and you have to kill her. And then, you know, you take the, was it a uh, bandana, I think it was, that she gives you? I think he gives you a neck. Um, no, actually, it's the hunter you find injured in the woods, which you, uh... Yeah, that's it. That's another thing. That's another love story with the elves. When you first go into the Brazilian forest, really near the first entrance, there's an injured... Mm -hmm, but he's kind of behind a mountain. Elf, yes. He's a little hidden back on a backway path. But there's a, an injured Dalish elf back there who's got the werewolf eyes, by the way. If you pay attention to that, he's got the yellow glowing eyes, so he's infected. You can you know, decide to kill him, uh, leave him there, try to, you know, beat information out of him, which is just the stupidest thing. You can kill him and loot his body. You can. Or you can just go ahead and uh, take him back to the camp, which I choose every single time. And, you know, the Dalish will take him back. You can eventually go back to the, the camp and find him there, where he will say, um, you know, thank you for saving me. Uh, here's a gem I was uh, intending to turn into a necklace, which I was going to give to my love, but I feel like it's better suited as a reward for you saving my life, so I could return to her. And every single time, I'm like, no, dude, no, you're not giving her gift to me. You're going to give her gift to her. So I always refuse that. So there's another, there's four love stories there. Four! There's a fifth coming up, but it's not what? nearly as uh, nearly as nice. And it's... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, one of the other fun stories there, right next to the Great Oak, right, actually right behind the Great Oak, <gasps> yeah. actually, there's a little campsite back there. And that campsite, when you go to it, everyone has different reactions to it in your party, but something is trying to drain the energy out of your party and make them sleep. Now, eventually, you can just choose the option, if you try to fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it, you can eventually choose the option to just see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you know that there's to. magic there. You can just see what happens, and what will happen is everyone goes to sleep, and <laughs> three of your companions will die at that point. And you can wake up, and since I'm playing a spirit healer this time around, and they all die around the campfire, it didn't bother me, because I just went, revive, and brought them all back to life, and went, hey, Shade, you're screwed, and proceeded to kill his ass, to which then the campsite turns into a graveyard of bodies there, and you can loot all their bodies and move about your business. To which you continue on with the Great Oaks quest, he's had his acorn stolen, which is his life source. Which, by the way, he refers to as his seed, and I cannot stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you have my seed, I gave you my seed, oh my god! You can eventually find his seed, which is in some old hermit's trunk. 
It's in a dark hole. He put his seed in a dark hole. <laughs> and oh my God, by the way, if you get to that part, it's the old Mad Herman, and we'll talk about it in a second, but <laughs> you can actually choose to find this tree stump. And if you try to reach into it, you can't really do anything. And Zevron in my group says, oh, okay, okay, wait, let me do this. I have experience reaching my hand in a dark place. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! Nasty boy! Oh, I didn't know that. See, I don't. I don't. I rarely, if ever, bring Zevron with me. In fact, I was actually going to make Zevron come with me. Uh, I actually spec'd him out to actually be able to pick locks and all that now. But uh, I didn't. I don't worry about it. I gave up on that. Uh, you secretly like Liliana. I don't really think it's even that. Uh, I don't know. I can't stand Liliana. Well, okay. One of the reasons I can't stand her is because of that damn bard ability she's got where she goes, ha! Every freaking time. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, whereas Everett, every time he goes into battle, goes giggity. Actually, I like his in-battle sayings. They're fun. Zevran is just all about sex all the time. Period. Oh, it's awesome. That's, that's, that's like all him. he wants. Why do you think I like him? I cannot push it further. Fair enough. Although I'm trying to play my character as chaste only saving herself for alistair this time it's really hard and i mean that giggity <laughs> by the way <laughs> i will hit that reload button because i just want to hear his reactions again yeah you'll hit that all right Ugh. he just gave me his rose i held off talking to him because i knew it was time for him to give me his rose <sighs> okay oh. <laughs> so back on to the mad hermit giggity oh, oh my <laughs> And talking about reaching into his trunk. Wait. Oh, yes. By the way, yes. he likes to ask you riddles. Oh, yes, he does. You know, I'll ask you a question. I'll do the same. It's a game where he asks you a question, you give him an answer, and then you get to ask him a question, and he'll give you an answer. Oh, see, I misread that every, or I misheard it every single time. I thought I was supposed to answer with a question. Yeah, see, that's kind of what I felt like to me, but that the game, how it's actually played, he asks you a question, then you get to ask him a question. Questions, questions, always questions. They say it was questions that made me mad. So that's how you get the information out of him and learn a lot more about him. Uh, this mage, apparently at one point in life, this hermit, was an incredibly powerful mage. Now, I had Morgan with me during my last playthrough, and she actually refers to how powerful he is. And if he had still been lucid, because this guy is nuttier than my favorite loaf of banana nut bread, it's, it, this dude is completely <laughs> off his rocker. 100% just out there. If he were still lucid, apparently this guy would be monumentally powerful. You would want him in your party. And you gotta think, with Morrigan, who lives with the Witch of the Wilds, who is the daughter of Flemeth this time around, her saying that this guy feels incredibly powerful... That says a lot to me. So I can only imagine how actually powerfully this is. This guy could have been. Of course, I've murdered him a number of times, so eh, <laughs> what are you going to say? And yes, he was a hell of a fight every time. Now, this time around, I didn't actually fight him. Uh, I did try to take a stab at him with a knife, but being a mage, clearly that didn't work. Um, and he just teleports away. Which, as Morgan will even point out when he teleports away, he's not teleporting. Whether consciously doing it or not, he's actually using very powerful illusion magic. Really? Yes. Got a lot of good information out of Morrigan during this last playthrough. So, anyway, you can actually get a number of items from him, including a book, a helm, and the acorn, by trading with him for unique things. Which, one of the things you can trade is actually the item that you're given by the uh, the hunter's werewolf wife. 
if you manage to kill her and take the item. Hmm. That's one of the things you can trade away, and then you can still tell the hunter that his wife died. And you don't require the proof, but, you know, he oh, it would be some solace. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, I didn't, obviously, because I didn't talk to her, but, yeah. So there's that. That's where you get the acorn back, and you can uh, go and give it back to the tree god, the elder tree, the old, the oak, whatever you want to call him. No, he's not a sliven or whatever they call. Sylvan? Sylvan. The, uh, a Trent. Those are demons. You know how they possess humans, but some of them aren't that ambitious. And so sometimes they'll possess animals or plants. And the ones that want to be a tree, I, first of all, they scare the crap out of me. And you fight a bunch of them, especially right around, uh, the Elder Oak himself, the Great Oak himself. Oh yeah. I mean, they just, it's almost like they're closing in on him. Ooh, that's actually, wow. Maybe they sense another, a good kind and they want the roots to get him. He's he's also a spirit too because the the veil is very very thin in the Brazilian forest, which is why there's so many spirits. That's why it's so inhabited. There's a bunch of dark spawn there too, by the way. But that's why the magic is so powerful there too, is because there is a very very thin veil there. It's also a magical focus point. What do they call it? Uh, the mystical focus points, which you encounter at many different points of the game. Yeah, definitely is. Yeah. Right there above the uh, Great Oak, next to a gravestone, which you can disturb the ruins on, and uh, fight a Reaver along with his little army, which is a pain in the ass. I had some issues with those fights, which... Oh, you did? Really? You suck. Uh, well, it's because uh, the start of that specific Reaver, he murdered, like, two of my companions right off the bat. Oh, right off the bat? Yeah, which I... Yeah, I have Wynn with me, and she's pretty squishy. Alistair's got his taunts on and everything, and it's not working sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, I have found that Force Field is probably my favorite spell in the game, and I use it in battle frequently, whether to trap enemies or to trap myself. You know what I've been doing? Oh, go ahead. Well, you can use, like, regeneration on yourself if you're low on health, then use Force Field on yourself, and while you're sitting there completely invulnerable, you are gaining health from regeneration. Can't move, though, right? Nope, you can't move, you can't cast, you can't do anything. But if, say, the uh, the enemy is focused on you specifically and wants you specifically dead, you can use Force Field on yourself while everyone else is attacking them. Huh. And he'll just sit there and whack away at you. Is there a mage ability that can, you know, taunt? Mm, no, it just seems like everything I do with my present mage character just taunts everything. Especially a uh, Walking Bomb, actually. Every time I use Walking Bomb on something, oh, really? it automatically aggros to me. Maybe you can do that every time you cast Walking Bomb, somebody else can taunt afterward. Hmm. Yeah, I, I actually have not been micromanaging my tanks very well at all. Like, I've got Shale, and uh, I typically have Shale and Alistair with me both. I always have Alistair with me. Shale has uh, some of the best abilities in the game. I don't know, because I... Okay, <laughs> we can take a little tangent on Shale before we get to the rest of the story. Is that Shale, you have to have certain things activated in order to use some of these abilities. So it's really confusing when you're trying to set up tactics because I'm not always going to you know, pause and then figure out which button I need to press in order to activate after I unpause and then repause. What's the next thing that's going to happen? I can't remember. See, I, uh, I actively go through and, you know, if you guys, if the people watching my live stream have noticed, I pause a lot. I will just go ahead and stop the game. Well, that's what this game is, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's part of the mechanics. 
And that's how it was in Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, Icewind Dale. All those games were the exact same way. It's the, so it's very familiar system for me. But what I'll do is I will just pause, go to every one of my characters, have them do specific things, and I'll kind of have a strategy already in mind, such as uh, <laughs> with Shale, some of Shale's abilities uh, have, like, AoE Petrify. Uh-huh. Or there's certain points in the game where you can actually use Shale's AoE uh, attack, which it makes, like, rocks fall from the sky. And you can throw those over walls and, at- and attack the enemies that are over there ahead of time. Oh, really? Cool. And it, it does a massive amount of damage, which is why I don't use it on my one of my characters around, because Friendly Fire would murder my team. But there's also, like, uh, Hurl, which with Hurl, you actually have to have the point of or- or the point of attack right in front of you, so it would hit whatever comes first. Um, and that also does massive AoE, knocks down enemies, stuff like that. But uh, while that specific... Um, Aura, I guess you can call it, because Shale has to have a certain aura activated in order to use certain abilities. Each of those auras also provide their own kind of defensive or offensive buff. So uh, if you've got the ranged version, which has the the two different throw attacks and the ranged petrify, or the multiple like petrify area of effect ability, that one I think also provides a massive buff against uh, projectile attacks. Yes, I remember that one because I was like, well, how many... Of enemies, do I really care about the projectile attacks? How much damage do they really do? Uh, archers mess me up bad. Oh, really? Yes, especially when they're attacking my mage characters. They really mess me up. Now, against someone like Alistair, who has a, uh, a defensive ability that pretty much negates ranged attacks, yeah. not so much. Okay, that's usually because I'm either my main character or Alistair. Right. So, you know, the, the sword and board abilities... Uh, are really, really good defensively, which... Uh, uh, well, the sustained abilities are. I don't know about the actual... I mean, overpower is okay. It's a lot of knockdowns and stuns when it comes to their active abilities, which is also good because, you know, having some kind of controlling aspect to the field is really nice. I could go on about the mechanics all day. I love it so much. The game is so tactical. That's why you get to pause all the time, is yes. because it is so tactical. But what I've been doing lately is that I'll have Win cast Earthquake... And hold everybody. I'll press the hold button. She casts Earthquake, so I'll have time to do either Firestorm or Ice Storm or whatever it is, or Death Cloud. And I'm like, okay, they're done. See, I've uh, taken to the strategy so far to not use those abilities simply because they murder my own team. Uh, See, that's why I put the hold button. I, I I, I try to use them... You know, to lure enemies to a location, which that could be my new strategy now is use something like Virulent Bomb, run into an Inferno or something like that, and then cast Force Field on myself with regeneration ticking away. So I can sit there while they're focused on trying to kill me, and they're just burning to a crisp at the same time. It's that kind of thing. Or, you know, uh, Shale, I think one of her best abilities is the blue button, which... Stoneheart? That one makes Shale stay in place, cannot attack, cannot do anything while there but provides a massive defense buff to Shale and to everyone else in the area around it, which I have used that many times to save my party from getting wiped out. Can I tell you that I didn't read the description of that ability the first time I had Shale, and so I'm turning around and I'm nearing the end of a dungeon, I'm like, where the hell Shale? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you actually have to toggle that one off, otherwise Shale will stay put. 
And that's why I asked about the tactics, because actually with that advanced tactic, you can choose target self game mode in that one, which is awesome because you can do exploration or combat. And so you have to put deactivate the ability when you're exploring before the activate the ability in combat on your list. And it works pretty well, actually. It also helps to get rid of those stupid, stupid special effects uh, when you're running. (laughs) Because I hate seeing that. Mm, I don't mind those so much. Oh, I do. All right, so tangent aside, what the hell were we just talking about? We were talking about we were going to go into the forest. Right, so giving the Great Oak his acorn back, which then preserves his life. And I can only imagine what kind of spirit the Great Oak originally was. Because he's all he's also a spirit. Even Morgan comments on him being a very I bet he was a tree hugger spirit. I I think he's a spirit, not a demon. Yeah. Whereas yeah. all the other trees in the uh, forest were clearly demons. I just I want to know what kind of spirit he was, though. Because that's one of the few good spirits we've ever encountered in the game. Oh, what if he's one of the Dalish gods? Because there are a bunch of gods. There's like a god of sitting down. I mean I mean Are are you trying to say that the elves in this universe are the Buddhists? Maybe, I don't know. Up until they got enslaved and uh, then became very, very sour. (laughs) And forgot their history. Maybe that's what happened. They're still trying to preserve their old gods, but they forgot the the, the essence of their old gods. And that's why they got enslaved, because they were so tree-hugger and peace-friendly that they just didn't put up a fight. And maybe their old magic they're trying to rediscover is actually all, like, defensive and healing arts. They had no offensive magic because they were hippies. Hmm. I just like calling elves hippies, mostly. Yeah, that's kind of fun, isn't it? it Can is. we do it one more time? Do it. Hippies. <laughs> so, the reward you get from the Great Oak is a tree branch of his, which he allow- which will give you access to where the werewolves are hiding, which is being protected by a powerful magic ward. Which, by the way, okay, so you give him his seed back, he gives you a staff. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> that's That's a good point. Although the the order of events with that is kind of backwards, but we'll just leave that there. Yeah, okay. We'll just leave it in the forest where it belongs. What <laughs> happens in the forest should definitely stay in the forest. Never bring the wood with you. Oh god, he gives you his wooden staff. Innuendo, 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 innuendo. Okay then, back on target. Here we go again. Stay on target. They came from behind! Never mind. Yeah, it did. Anyway, so... Once you are able to penetrate the veil with that <laughs> that staff and gain access to the werewolves, weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, they run away in fear because they're like, "Oh crap! Here comes the warden!" And they retreat back to their fortress. Then you fight your way through the fortress, which means you murder a lot of werewolves, most of which were apparently feral. And those shadow werewolves, by the way, complete pain in the ass. Screw those guys. So I don't remember those, but all I remember are the damn spiders. The spiders didn't bother me. I hate the spiders in both Dragon Age 1 and 2. Oh, God. And I don't think they're going to change it for Dragon Age 3 because I would have to turn off my sound if I saw spider webs anywhere because I would get so scared because I was so into what I was doing. I remember doing this like late at night on my Xbox, you know, and all of a sudden, (laughs) oh, my God, wet my pants scared. (laughs) (laughs) See, they don't bother me that much. The only reason I hate the spiders specifically is because they have they're one of the uh Creatures in the game that have overwhelm along with uh, werewolves and wolves themselves, which is an annoying as hell ability. Alistair couldn't do anything because they were just jumping on top of him. It was like he was going out in public with all girls around him. I mean, they would just jump him. And- <laughs> well, again, that's another case where having something like uh, Stone Fist comes in handy where you can knock him down 
or you can even use force field on either the person doing the overwhelm or the person being overwhelmed, which will immediately cancel out that ability. Oh, I never really thought about, yeah, if somebody's doing that. I'm sure there is a tactic or the, an ability by the mages or somebody. Or maybe I have to have another warrior with me. I don't know. But anyway. It could be. But those are definitely helpful abilities to interrupt that because that is a massive damage dealing attack. And plus, it sounds so horrible. <laughs> Crunching. Blood and bits flying everywhere. Uh, it's, uh, it's to be expected. Uh, Very messy. Very messy. Dinner served! Uh, yes. Back to the uh, the... the underground former this is actually an interesting point just to bring up as a uh, a kind of a sub point is when i entered with morgan and people in the chat brought this up morgan comments on how the the temple or whatever it is they're entering looks to venter but has a lot of dalish feeling to it and you know what if you do the dalish origin story they say the same thing about the temple they go in which looks very similar indeed which uh, I'm guessing that it could mean that the Taventer kind of got some of their architecture or designs from the Dalish, and that's why it looks so close, or something like that. Maybe the Arlathan t- is in Taventer. I don't know. Hmm? <laughs> could be. No, it's uh, something the Dales. Ah. But well, still. yes. Somebody will email. Somebody email us and correct us, but we don't really care because they're elves. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Oh, we're horrible human beings! Get your hands off me, you damn dirty elves! <laughs> yes. I do genuinely like the elves. I do actually like the elves in this universe. It's just... This is the only universe I like them. Well, I, I do like them in uh, Forgotten Realms and D&D and all that stuff, too, but that's just me. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, going down there, you do eventually encounter a dragon, move past the dragon, which has lots of great loot sprawled all over the ground, where it has mauled lots of people... There's uh, interesting traps to find, plenty of undead. Uh, there's actually a quest that involves performing an ancient ritual, uh, burial ritual kind of thing to receive a blessing and gain access to a second part where you fight a ghost. Oh, yeah, that's the part that I haven't done yet. And you have to, like, take a sip of the water and then go back. You, and... you go to the altar, uh-huh. uh, take the jug. I think you go, you take the jug from the altar. It might be at the water or at the altar, one of the two. Wherever the jug's at, you fill it with water. Then you uh, you take it to the altar, pray, take a sip of the water, take the jug back to the water, and, and pour then pour it. the water out, which will cause the jug to shatter because the ritual is complete. And I can't believe I remember that from memory. That was that was pretty good. When I was doing it at the time, I was also pulling it purely from memory. So I don't know what that says. Uh, I really remember weird things, I guess. So there's that. There's also a quest where you can find a room with a small glass phylactery. Oh, mm. not a glass phylactery. There's that one. But there's one with another phylactery. And it's a spirit trapped inside this thing. <laughs> there's an ancient arcane warrior that has been trapped there for who knows how long. And it's sad. It's projecting images in your mind. And it's sad. And it's like, please let me go. It just wants to die. It just wants to die, but it can't do anything because it's trapped. And you're given the option to hang on to it, to, to kill it. Uh, or it'll teach you the arcane warrior specialization. It does say the only thing I request is Oblivion. Maybe it just wanted to play Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it has no hands. Uh, well, you know, he could control it with his mind. I don't know. But yes, Probably. you can learn that. But this time I actually, because I was already an arcane warrior and I didn't really care that either of my other mages were. So I just said, you know, I'm just happy with the fact that I helped you out. Yep. That's <laughs> what I did too. 
Because uh, once on the PC version, once you unlock a specialization in any save game, you unlock it for all save games. So there you go. So there's that. But then we eventually get to where the werewolves are hiding after you fight your way through all those damn shadow werewolves. God, I hate those things. They're the the rogue version of shadows, and they are deadly. (laughs) Oh my god, they're so bad. You get down there, and the werewolves are like, we don't want to fight anymore. You've killed too many of us. Please stop. And this is where Witherfang, or rather, the Lady of the Forest appears. And she tells you the story of how Zathrian created the werewolf plague. Now, what had happened was many, many centuries ago, his family were living near some humans, and these humans wanted these elves out. This is so dark. They attacked his family. They killed his son, raped his daughter. He wanted revenge. No, what happened was is the daughter... She was pregnant! She realized that she was pregnant and killed herself. And so, as revenge, he uh, he bound a spirit to a great wolf in the forest, which created Witherfang, and then sent Witherfang to infect them with the plague, with a curse. And it's continued on since then. Now, these are all descendants. All the people that you deal, all the werewolves you've been dealing with are descendants. They weren't the the perpetrators of the crime. But this curse is lasting way longer than it should have. And I don't know if that was on purpose because I, oh, I can't remember. It was. He, he intended for it to be a, a continuing per- curse. But he never intended for it to infect his own people which was their plan. They're trying to get him to end the curse. (laughs) The reason they've been going around infecting people is because every time he comes to this area, they summon him. They send a request for him to come and talk to them. You know, we got to figure something out. And he's just like, no. So this time they were like, well, fine. uh, We'll make you come to us. We'll make you break this curse. Okay. Understandable. Uh Uh-huh, really? They're tired of it. (laughs) I would be too. And even, you know, the Lady of the Forest herself, who turns out to be Witherfang also. Go figure. Mm -hmm. I saw that one coming, by the way. She looks way better with the human form, by the way. She's pretty hot. Yes, much better than the succubus. I'm sorry, the desire demon. (laughs) It's a succubus. Same thing, thing. This is where, you know, you can either choose to fight them right there and kill them off, take the heart, so on and so forth. Or you can go talk to Zathrian. Now, if you choose to talk to Zathrian... They point you toward the quick exit to get right back up to the surface. You take that, and there Zathrian is waiting for you. Yeah. And notices you don't have the heart. And he's like, WTF? And dialogue ensues. You can convince him to go talk to them. He's like, fine, I'll go talk to them. But I'm not going to side with them, and I'm definitely not going to, you know, do what they want to do. We're going to go kill them together. That's what we're going to do. Dialogue ensues. He tells, you know, his side, they tell their side, they beg for release, he says go to hell, and this is where, no matter what, a fight ensues. As far as I, I'm, I don't think you can talk your way out of this one, I tried. You can't. He, he's just too bullheaded. You fight, you kick his ass. I apparently kicked his ass so hard I broke the game. (laughs) That can't happen. (laughs) Because then I had to fight him again. (laughs) <laughs> to which I then proceeded to kick his ass even faster. <laughs> and so at that point, he uh, he goes, okay, okay, I give up. And I actually convinced him that it was in the best interest of both, you know, the, the werewolves and his people if he just goes ahead and ends the curse, which he has to do by giving up his life. And he admits, you know, I've lived too long. Apparently, I'm not capable of mercy, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. And he gives up. Witherfang, he dies. Witherfang disappears. 
the werewolves cry, then they change back into humans, and they all have the golden eyes still, so they're all still marred by that. But interesting, you actually encounter an end result of this in Dragon Age 2. I didn't know about that. That's when I went back and replayed this game the last time I was playing it because I never paid attention to what the werewolves were saying because at that point I was so ready to get on with the game that I didn't care what they had to say. And, and, you know, I was like, Oh, these are weird sounding werewolves and I really don't care. So I did have to go back and realize, Oh, they're not that bad. Exactly. You know, they're just people. And not realizing that they weren't the people that did anything because I was in such a hurry. I didn't realize they really are innocent. Oh. And, you know, once you turn them loose and they go into the world, I love how they still, when they run away together, they still run as a pack. Isn't that cool? Old habits die hard, I guess. So that happens. Moving on, you talk to the Dalish. The Keepers first becomes the new Keeper, and they pledge themselves to you. Or if you side with the werewolves, though, you get the elves. That's exactly how it turns out. So I have never, again, I have never sided with the werewolves because I found the neutral way of doing things the right way of doing things as far as I'm concerned. You can get the werewolves for the final battle. And I just wanted to see that happen. But you don't get as many. There aren't No, you get a very limited supply. The same thing happens with uh, the golems. The same thing happens with... Mages. Mages. Ah, oh, right, you can get the Templar, which you also get less... Uh, actually, no, I think you get more Templar. Oh, you do? I think so. I think you get, like, one or two more Templar. I don't remember. I could be wrong. It, it's one or two in the either direction, but it's relatively the same number. So there's that. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Now you have your army. But what's to do next? Well, there's the Pearl. <laughs> I said what, not who. <laughs> That's a thing, though. So, yes, you can go to Denerim, where Denerim has its own problems. A long, long, long list of problems. Which we could probably go over next time. It leads to the uh, the end of Dragon Age Origins, past that point. So, next time we're going to cover the end of Dragon Age Origins. And then, what's next, Road? What do you th- do you think DLC, or do you think Dragon Age 2? I think we can do the end of uh, Dragon Age Origins with the DLC. Because the DLC are really short stories. Oh, trust me, I can remember all those, too. <laughs> well, I'd like to, because this time you were, like, on it, and I'm like, yeah, um, and yeah, what you said. <laughs> hey, it works. I am doing this, there's no notes involved, this is all purely from memory. I'm very impressed. Bravo. But, that's not the end of this episode. Oh, yes. You know why? We got a lot of emails, it was awesome, and I really want to see more. One, and I'm sorry if I don't read it out on the show, but I think it was asking about Dragon Age 3, and it was, are we going to cover it? As much as time allows. I think the best thing that we can do, genuinely, the thinking about this subject, is just because the game comes out doesn't mean the podcast has to end, because there's still going to be Dragon Age content. So, probably what's going to happen is... At some point after the game launches, we'll probably take, when the game launches, we're going to take a short hiatus and then probably come back and actually do the Dragon Age Inquisition stuff. Talk about our first playthrough in the very least and our thoughts on it. And odds are I'm probably going to live stream my first playthrough anyway. That's what I was thinking because I was wondering if we could do something, the live whatever. But then the thing is, is that this is an RPG and it's kind of hard to share that first experience with you know, a chat room. Yes. Because you really want to explore everything and you want to get used to it and you want to know. And odds are I'm probably not going to be that entertaining anyway because I will be so engrossed in the story. Especially, I mean, if there are codecs like there were last time and you actually want to read them, you know, 
because I've been doing the show, I, I'm really into everything now. And I'm like, yes, I must read this. So it's a little bit different than like our ESO podcasts. Okay, so the next one comes from Yamakog, which is a very good Twitter follower. He says, hello, Dragon Age off the record. Deep roads and dwarves are my favorite subjects of Dragon Age. I think it would be important to explore the deep roads extensively. Yes, I mean to do that. Puns are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Giggity. As for dwarves, there are many interesting characters to cover, like Varric, who should have an episode solely about him, and Ogren with his glorious facial hair. Well, kind of. He's got that giant you know, braided mustache, but aside from that, it's all stubble. <laughs> but seriously, to me, dwarves are amazing, uh, with their history, in <laughs> ingenuity, and intelligence. Lastly, the Legion of the Dead. I know you talked about it briefly, but I think there's much more to be discussed. There are things I think would be great to talk about. I hope this is the kind of email you're looking for, and P.S., thank you for doing the podcast. There's finally a place to talk about my favorite game, and I feel like I found a place where I belong. A place that I fit in. Again, thank you. Oh, I love that. See, right there, Ivar would, would give a long, nice speech about it, but I don't, I'm not good with words. So, yeah. All right, here you go. Thanks. <laughs> on, the, on the subject of doing like individual episodes for characters, probably not going to be a thing. I, I do agree that Varric is quite possibly one of the most amazing characters in the game, period. Uh, so, as for Ogren, uh, Stephen J. Bloom, what more needs to be said? Kindness is another one of our qu frequent Twitter emailers. And, and someone who follows my stream. He's saying that I have two theories. One being that she, and this is on, oh, I didn't copy over the, the subject. I'm guessing it's Flemeth. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, it is. I have two theories. One being that she is Fenrahal, the Dalish trickster god, or she is an old god baby. <laughs> Wherever she goes, Darkspawn seem to follow. She can turn into a dragon. She wards her house from Darkspawn so they don't find her, which can mean she can't control the song that the Archdemon's old gods give off. And when the Darkspawn left Ostagar, they all went in the direction of Lothering, out of all the directions she could have taken, and Flemish just happened to be there too. I think this is brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I, I, I see where the theories come from. You have the same damn theory! No, I said that she's an old god herself. Not an old god, baby. An old god. Well, maybe he forgot to put out the comma. Old god, baby. Ha <laughs> 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 Misplaced. Anyway, um, it's interesting. Fenhurl... See, this is a funny thing about theology in general. Uh, a lot of these religious legends and stuff like that are based on... Or, you know, can in some subjects be based on a... a piece of truth. Now, taking into consideration that the possibility that Flemeth really is just as ancient as some of us believe she is, it is entirely possible that she is regarded uh, by the, the Dalish at one point in history by a specific name, and that name eventually evolved into a form of mythological creature such as Fenhural, uh, the trickster god. And thus has been passed down because the the Dalish have lost much of their former culture. That's what kind of what the point of the Dalish are is trying to regain their lost culture. And maybe through reading through what little texts they could, because they can't even interpret their own former language as well as they should be able to. Maybe that was the interpretation given by Fenhurl, and they do automatically apply that to Flemeth. Um, it could possibly be that Van Hurl was based on Flemeth, but yeah. Well, did you read that story where he, you know, tricked the the bad gods to the good gods into fighting each other, yeah. and then yeah. uh, 
and then being locked away in their respective zones. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Yeah. I don't know. But the thing about her being a dark old God baby really does make sense. Cause I didn't think about it. Oh yeah. She's, she's the one that, well, I thought about the dragon part. She can turn into a dragon and that she wards her house from the dark spawn. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> There's a name that the Dalish actually regard Flemeth as specifically. And I'm trying to remember what it was. But it, it's stated in Dragon Age 2 when you take the pendant to the Dalish and she then pops out of it. I think they might say it in Dragon Age The Calling as well. Oh, no, The Stolen Throne. Asha Bala. I think that's what it was. Is it Asha? You're just making up stuff now. Asha Bareth? Asha Belenar. Asha Belenar, Woman that's of it. many years in Dalish. See, that's one of the names they refer to her as. So I, I don't know. Um, yep, there it is. Asha Belenar. I just found mm -hmm. it. Sweet. I was close. I'm quicker. That's fine. I was close. That was off memory. I was trying to Google it. It wasn't working. <sighs> so anyway. You're really good with this, this stuff. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I try. So yes, uh, good point. Okay. This is turning into a two-hour show again, and I cannot have that. Okay. So the next one, I can't do the whole thing, but make her bless you. Andraste bless you, Tim Foster. So much. There, It's, it's so much and so good. It's like warmed from the cockles of my heart. I was warmed when I saw this email. Because and apparently so he's well loving your smutty giggle, so. I, of course I love that. You know, that just made, that was the icing on the cake. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he asked about the audiobooks. I love the audiobooks because I think the voice acting and telling of the story is way better than when I get to reading the book in my head. Do your impressions of the characters in the novel change when you heard, within you heard it than when you read it? Now, I didn't read it. I can't sit and read a book, you know. I, I don't have the attention span for it. I, I can't do it, yeah. I'm not ADD. Oh, I, I can't <laughs> sit there and just like if I'm on my computer reading things, which I mean would be kind of an argument for getting an ebook, mm -hmm. I can do that. But uh, it's kind of a result of being a former insomniac. I always feel mm -hmm. like I have to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just sitting there reading, I will start to fall asleep. That's another thing. That's why I don't like uh, when I used to not like reading the codex and all these books because I just I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And that is an ADD thing for me. I, I can't see. That's a weird thing is I can at times. I will sometimes just get in the mood where all I want to do is just sit there and read things, but um, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of in bits and pieces. But did my, my impression of the characters in the novels change? Uh, since we didn't read it, you know, first off, my impressions, actually, I was not fond of the way The Stolen Throne was actually read. I, well, I hated his Catriel, his women. Well, I had just come from reading Jim Dale do Harry Potter, and I've listened <laughs> to that the, all the books 10 times through. The guy does 200 freaking voices per book. So, you know, no, nobody else can live up to it. But I liked his voices in The Calling a lot better. And that's what endeared me to Duncan. Because he did that. <laughs> he was like, crikey! <laughs> it was great. Yeah, if you're ever going to be an audiobook reader, you've got to do your voices. Because, you know, even when we were kids, we wanted people to read books in our voices. So. I just realized this as I was reading off one of these. I'm planning out the next episodes before the game launches. And I'm like, oh, I haven't planned for an Alistair episode. <laughs> hey, hey, what have we said about character specific episodes? This was planned from the get go, though. <laughs> then again, we've already been invited on doing an, an Alistair episode for another show. I know. You know what? I'm a little bit scared about that one because you had listened to it and you said something to me. I figured out your little riddle you told me and I was really mad. <laughs> I told you a riddle? Well, not a riddle, but uh, a spoiler. I told you a spoiler? You didn't mean to, but you did say a spoiler. I because did? I figured it out from what you said and oh. from the context of when, whence you said it. Hmm. 
Yeah. And so I'm a little, I'm afraid. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and listen to this. And then I had listened to us proofreading the last one first, or listening to the last one first. And I heard what you said. And I was like, dang it. I'm going to get a lot more of these on this show. <laughs> so I don't know which ones are safe for me to listen to. Because <laughs> I can glean a lot of information from just even like somebody's pause of their voice. I can figure it out. I usually pause for dramatic sense, just putting that out there. I like what they always have to say on Twitter and stuff. So that's why I talk with them. They're fun people. I like them. And plus their avatars are awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and just say thank you for the emails. And before we shove a big slew of outtakes in your ear holes, we'd like to let you know where to find us so you can thank us the morning after. Yes, it is time for the obligatory how to reach us. Find us at questgamingnetwork.com, email us at dragonageotr at gmail.com, tweet us at dragonageotr, follow me, Mistress LeBeau, that's L-E-B-E-A-U, follow Road at That Road Guy, and yes, we know our money's on the dresser. Visit our sponsors, tweakedaudio.com for quality earbuds, and 30% off with our code off the record, all one word, at tweakedaudio.com. And if you are as big Dragon Age fans as Rode and I are, here's some books that you might like. Head over to audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork and you can get Dragon Age The Stolen Throne or Dragon Age The Calling for free! But you don't have to take my word for it. That is the way of money. It comes, it goes, like a fickle lover. What's a good sign-off for this show? In war, victory. In peace, vigilance. In death sacrifice. Say bye. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, find someone with a voice like this, I dare you. Uh, if I win. I've got the manlier voice than that chump. Paul Stephen Brown. I'll take him on. We'll have a voice battle, and I'll win every time. I don't know. If Paul Stephen Brown, you, and Avarwin on one show, panties would drop everywhere. But I make their pants explode, and I have that effect on men. You give him your acorn seed, and yeah. Okay. Giggity. I'll show him my walking stick. I don't know how to react to this. Help me get out of this. Daddy, where are we going? I'm scared. I'm scared now, too. You're familiar with X-Men, right? The show that got me started on podcasting you know, at all. The Uncanny X-Cast, early on, like their episode 17, they did the top five 80 songs that can be the theme songs for X-Men. Oh my god, this is fucking brilliant. For Psylocke, they did Turning Japanese. <laughs> oh god. Oh, and then there was Archangel when he was hurt, was Broken Wings. Oh god. Really? I wonder how many people realize that I think a turning Japanese song is about his O-Face. Because he squints and, you know, he gets his eyes down to slits as the stereotypical Japanese persona. And then he probably makes those weird moaning noises that, uh... Oh! Exactly. Koalas are apparently the most vile creatures on the planet, and I actually believe it. Nothing that sleeps that much could be anywhere near safe for work. Oh, okay. Wow, um... Weird. Let's see, listeners, so I'm not going to have to cut this part. Let's make a la-la-la-la-la. We're looking stuff up. La-la-la-la. We're looking stuff up. I love it. So, uh, what does it do with her legs? Whose legs? Her legs. That's the problem with dwarven legs. They're useless as an accessory. I didn't do anything with them. I don't know what... Ah, say no more. Just got him out of the way and went about your business. <laughs> Good on you, son. <laughs>